because they can read the source code of the plugin, they can see how it works. And since they are operating at the same privilege level, they're both running inside of WordPress in the PHP process that powers WordPress. They can then alter the malware scanner in a way that maybe imagine like this, there are like very complex operations going on to determine if a file is malware or not. And then the actual malware modifies that final result that is displayed to you in the UI and just says, yeah, you're all clean, pretty much. That's how it works. They just make the malware scanner lie to you. They make the malware scanner tell you there's no malware, but there actually is. Hey, Bob WP here, and welcome to All Things WordPress and WooCommerce. They do the Woo Podcast Show. Today's show brought to you by OmniSend, the email and SMS marketing plugin and CRM solution for your clients' WooCommerce shops, and GoDaddy, e-commerce hosting solution for clients looking to either start a new shop or expand an existing one. I'll tell you more about our sponsors later in the show, but join hosts Kathy and Carl as they take a big talk on security with Calvin Alton from Snicko.io. Starting out with the big picture of e-commerce and the need for layered security, they move into plugins and malware and touch on security in the enterprise space. Plus, quite a bit more, actually. So let's get started while the three of them talk about all things security. Welcome to Do The Woo. This is a very important conversation, for my heart at least, because security is something that's incredibly important for anyone working online. Um, Whether you're doing WooCommerce, whether you're in the enterprise, whether it's just your cat blog, security is important because hackers are targeting sites all the time. I'm really excited about this conversation because I've got two of my great friends here, Carl Alexander and Calvin Alkin. And you guys, security is important to you too. So um, let's just get into it because we started talking in the pre-show and we really got into it. So I know this conversation is going to be exemplary. So let's let's just get started. Um, security for WooCommerce, for e-commerce is is different than just security for a cat blog, isn't it? A little bit. So what we just talked about before we hit recording, um, it is not enough to basically give up at the first hurdle um, or the first line of defense if you're protecting important websites, whether it be an enterprise site, whatever definition it may be, or whether it is commerce, learning management, um, community, body boss, whatever it may be your security stack needs to be layered and you need to be able to protect and still um, withstand if some part of your stack has a vulnerability. And I feel like in the WordPress space, um, there's this mindset of, well, I'm going to install the traditional security plugin or whatever it may be. And if there's some vulnerability in my my stack, then, well, that's that. And we're not having that as part of our threat model. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it, it does seem easy. I mean, in WordPress, there is sort of this mindset of, well, there's a plugin for that problem solved. And that happens whether or not, you know, it's like I need to change the way the code is appearing in a certain widget or how my footer works or even how my theme is going to work. Just install some software and snap, problem is solved. But security is so much more than that. You can't just install a plugin and say, well, the plugin's doing the work. There's like configuration with it. There's 
your password that is your decision. So um, what are some of the what are some of the things that you've seen, Calvin, in terms of maybe plugins not being the end all be all solution to all aspects of site security? So I guess the best example to give um, is what we published like lately with the malware madness stuff. Um, so basically, for anybody that's not familiar with that, we together with um, the guys over at We Watch Your Website, they basically are a malware scanning service that is integrated at the server layer. They monitor about 6 million websites or so currently. Um, we published research with them about how plugin-based malware scanning is fundamentally a flawed approach that conceptually is impossible. It doesn't work because um, there's evidence and a lot of evidence that hackers, after they infect the site, actively tamper with the malware scanners, so the malware scanning plugins, uh, and alter them in a way that they will not be able to detect um, any malware on your site anymore. And basically, we published that research and, well, wrote exemplary malware to prove that this actually is pretty easy. Um, obviously, we didn't publish that. We had that verified independently by PatchTech, who basically were like the independent third party in this whole research. Um, this would be a really good example because I feel like in the WordPress um, security space, there's always been like a huge emphasis on malware scanning instead of like proactively securing your site or prevention. Um, and this is like one example where for years or maybe even decades, I don't know, people were where like the, the go-to approach was like, hey, install a malware scanner, plug-in, the emphasis on plug-in. And it, it it doesn't work. I mean, it works if you're attacked by anybody that's like really, really on the low end of sophistication, then yeah, maybe your scanner will detect that. But anybody that has like a bit of skill, any remotely skilled attacker will, and they're doing that, they will, they will disable your scanner and your scanner from that point on will not tell you the truth anymore. And it's like, yeah, it, it might be fine for some sites, like you said, like a, a simple blog, mom and pop shop. It might be fine to say, yeah, but like how likely is that going to happen on my side? But for anything valuable where the entire business relies on that, it's it's probably not the, the best approach. Yeah, and also, I mean, the first WordPress talk that I did at a meetup was a security talk. And I said that the one of the threat that I feel is never discussed but is way more important is I say like you're one of the, your biggest vectors, at least for most people is a disgruntled former employee. Like, do you disable their, their accounts? Like it's like you talk about a lot. Like, I think there's, you know, security is hard. Like I'm, I know enough about security to not call myself a security expert. So it's hard to, to have kind of like enough understanding of fundamentals, but I feel like people don't really understand like the this idea of multiple threat models like this idea that yeah okay you installed the plugin and then that covers something but actually for most people you're actually way more likely to have a former employee do something even for big companies it's like uh, like i i think in like like for example in french canada where i am there was this whole thing with a bank like this and it was an employee stealing customer records for years. And it was like, and it's a bank. It, it's just like these threat models. It's just like, those are way, if it can happen in a big company, it will happen to you. If you like fire somebody and don't disable their account, why don't they just come and delete your site, delete your backups? Uh, 
things like that, right? Also plugin support. I mean, it's insane that people give, not, not like to say that plugin companies are not to be trusted, but basically if somebody has an issue, they give the support team of a plugin full admin access on their site, which is like, I mean, that should never happen in my opinion. They should have been on it. Like you should create a staging site. I'm definitely guilty of that. I'm definitely guilty of asking for an admin account for for support purposes. Basically giving them a staging site, a sandbox site with all data scraped, all sampled. Um, but this is what people do. Yeah. So this is also like uh, the same thing with the employees that steal their records, whatever you just mentioned. Yeah, I once cleaned a site that of a plugin that was available on Code Canyon, and the plugin actually had a backdoor that just basically had had the password in the actual file. So somebody would have to type in the password, or or maybe it was on the query string, but, but the password was in the file. So a hacker got in through some other way, saw this backdoor that the plugin author had put in there, saw the password and was able to like hack all of the sites. So like, yeah, security for or providing a secure access for a plugin author to be able to get in and provide support. Sometimes there's there's a, a weird conflict and you only can see it when you're logged in, but that's a security concern because you're letting someone into your you're letting someone into your site. Calvin, I want to get back to like why the plugin is is fault why that whole model doesn't really work because of how PHP works because there might be some like non-technical people who might not understand exactly how that model doesn't work and they might not, you know, they might not be able to you know, find time to read your research, but can you just give an overview of why that doesn't you're referring to the malware scanning stuff, yeah? The malware scanning, yeah. yeah. Like what happens? I mean, I've seen the malware that's that's done this. That's like, oh, well, you can find everybody else's malware, but you're not going to find mine. And, you know, that that hacker can modify those files. Can you explain why they can? Why, the, why that, you know, they get a site has an intrusion from, let's say, a SQL invul- vulnerability that um, SQL injection that does not have anything to do with anything happening in PHP, but they can still then get access to PHP files and modify them. So let, let's start by uh, at the point of through some means your site has been infected. So it doesn't matter that are like infin- uh, infinite um, like uh, attack vectors, how that could have happened. But now your site has malware on it. And you also have a plugin that does malware scanning, maybe like using the WP Cron periodic, uh, per, per, geez, periodically, <laughs> or uh, you can start it from the UI, whatever. But ultimately, this scan, the malware scan, runs in the same process, the PHP process, and with the same privilege level as the malware. So the, the, the most simplest and the most blunt, like hit with the hammer approach, the malware could just simply disable or delete your security plugin from the file system. This would be like the easiest to understand. The first time the malware runs, it just deletes your security plugin. That's, that's the easiest. After that, there aren't any scans. But obviously you as a site administrator would realize that at some point. Yeah, maybe not immediately, but maybe you, you'll realize eventually that your security plugin is gone. So what they do is then because they can read the source code of the plugin, they can see how it works. And since they are operating at the same privilege level, they are both running inside of WordPress in the PHP process that powers WordPress. They can then 
alter the malware scanner in a way that maybe imagine like this. There are like uh, very complex operations going on to determine if a file is malware or not. And then the actual malware modifies that final result that is displayed to you in the UI and just says, yeah, you're all clean, pretty much. That, that's how it works. They, they just um, they make the malware scanner lie to you. They make the malware scanner tell you there's no malware, but there actually is. And the way to do that depends on, on malware, on based on the malware scanner that you have. And obviously, we didn't disclose what we did there. Like we don't want to make it easier for folks, but it's it's pretty like it's pretty easy to be honest. Like ten lines of code maybe to do that. It's not hard. So yeah, that, that's that's the the fundamental issue that the system that is potentially infected wants to monitor itself. And that, that doesn't work. It has to be from somewhere higher up or someplace that is more privileged at the server level. Right. Now, if you have a plugin that's actually operating, I mean, there are some plugins that have firewalls associate, built into the plugin. Are those also, firewalls would be something that would be blocking malicious attacks, like cross-site scripting attacks and whatnot. Are those at risk as well? I mean, not from the more scanning side, because the firewall is only like useful up until the point where you're infected. So the firewall would be like protection, not scanning. Um, yeah, I mean, if you have malware on your side, the firewall can be disabled in the very same manner. That That's also the, the case. But at that point, you're already infected. The firewall usually is there to prevent you from getting infected in the first place. There, there isn't anything wrong in particular with plugin-based firewalls. It's more so that everything that you can do uh, in a plugin with a firewall, you can do, for example, at the edge at Cloudflare or in a Nginx firewall. Yeah, it's just it's heavy. Like from a sysadmin perspective, like like especially in enterprise, right? We're talking enterprise, so like larger WooCommerce stores, larger sites, they need more PHP workers. They want their code to be more efficient so that they can, you know, the response time is faster and all those things. If you're doing if Every request has to be processed as a as a firewall request. It's a lot of processing time uh, dedicated to that. Like it's not trivial. Um, that's what I mean. That's in itself is a one serious reason to just not use like super heavy security plugins like that. Is if they just do a lot and they put a lot of weight on your WordPress installation, which is like a problem again for, for enterprise because they're trying to be more performant. They're trying to handle more sales, more everything. And you're basically, it's like having an ankle weight, like, you know, like you're kind of dragging every request has this huge ankle weight that you're like dragging. Um, and that serves not no purpose, but like, as we're discussing, like the malware scanning doesn't work. It's more like security theater, right? The more, the malware scanning and some other things. Fundamentally, it's impossible to perform that in the in a, at the plugin level. And there are other things um, that they are the same. Um, but for example, the firewall. It is absolutely possible to write a secure firewall in a WordPress plugin. There's nothing that makes it conceptually impossible. Unlike the malware example, you can do that. Whether the existing ones are secure is a different topic, but it's, it is theoretically possible. The thing is, it will not be performant because, as Carl mentioned, at that point where the plugin-based firewall um, runs, you already incurred like the the majority of the cost of that request. You already um, went through the edge layer, 
Nginx ran, WordPress was booted, and then your firewall is hit. So it's not performant. It is possible to do it securely. Or let's go one step further too. Like you're trying to mitigate like a DDoS. If your firewall is the actual PHP application, you you ain't mitigating anything, right? Like your site's blowing up either way. Like it's all cool. Like you have a firewall, but you're still getting hammered by like hundreds of thousands of requests. It like PHP just won't be, your server is not going to be able to handle it. And it's not really designed for that either. Like, um, like you can do it on the same machine. Like I've, I've done work with people that uh, nonprofits where they can't use American companies for security reasons. And so they can't use Cloudflare or things like that. So like you have to do a lot of the protection yourself at the machine level, but it's not like you want those requests to be blocked like even you can even overwhelm a linux machine like if you like if you're not careful even with a ddos so like it's just um that's why it's not efficient either right like you're not part of the the goal of a firewall is to prevent those ddos attacks and you basically are not doing that with with a php based firewall one example of this that is like doesn't make a lot of sense is for example Many like traditional security plugins give you the, the 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 option to block like requests by country. For example, you can configure only allow requests from Germany if you're in Germany or US or whatever. And yes, that works. But but like if you think about it, you hit the plugin, then the plugin has to reach out to some geo IP database to get the IP. So there is a remote call involving a different location to to accurately or more or less accurately determine the actual origin of that IP, and then you block it. At that point, you incurred so much of the cost already from a performance perspective if you compare it to just blocking it um, at the Cloudflare level or whatever CDN you're using. Okay, so malware scanning should happen at the server level away from, with permissions at at the server level rather than the PHP user, server-based user level. And firewalls should happen someplace else. Is there any case for using a security plugin? What can a security plugin do well when you're talking about at that application level? There are, there are many things. So in my opinion, this, this all is like a, a fundamental misunderstanding in the WordPress industry of like the different levels or uh, sorry, layers in the security stack. And if you mix and match them and put stuff that belongs in one layer into a different one, you either end up with performance degradation or it's conceptually insecure. For example, it, I I tend to think of it as you have like the edge. So you have the network layer, everything that happens before it actually hits your server. Then you have the server level, uh, like Nginx. Um, so you're already on your server. And then you have the application layer, which in, the, in, in our case, in our space is WordPress. So WordPress is the application and there's application layer security. And then the last one would be like behavioral best practices, having backups, malware scanning, having proper permissions, the, the principle of least privilege for user levels. And uh, that, that is like a, a adjacent like layer, if you will. This is a good one we should talk briefly about for people that aren't um, like, because again, when I talked, to, I did that little intro to security, like principle of least privilege is a really useful 
thing to know and uh, is really applicable to to anyone. So uh, principle of least privilege is basically this idea that you should only give people the minimum level of access that they need to do their job. Um, so if somebody is just writing articles and not publishing them, you should just have them like with the contributor uh, access or or things like that. And this is something, even if you have a personal site, you can ap- apply to yourself. So for example, uh, if I take my own personal site, like carlalexander.ca, carlalexander.ca actually has two users on it. There's an admin account, which I never almost log into, which has the admin privileges. And there's the main one that I write with, which is, you know, you if you can search things and things like that, you can see like the username and and things like that. It's much more visible to find and it only has publishing rights. It can't install plugins. It can't do all this stuff. Um, and this is really useful when we were talking again with disgruntled employees, for example, if the disgruntled employee uh, get doesn't have the accesses to like delete plugins or delete your install because he didn't really need to in the first place, then you're at least more secure for that. So uh, principle of least privilege is definitely a really handy thing to uh, to know about. And and it's it's pretty easy also to I guess at the enterprise level, people are doing that already. That is like not I mean that's pretty known, but it's pretty easy to just create your own custom role. You start from zero privileges. For example, let's say you're building sites for a client, create a new role called client, which has no privileges at all starting, and then basically you add on the need by need basis if the client wants to edit like i don't know some settings page or he can edit his phone number email or whatever then give him permission to do that but only that and if he needs to do something else maybe he wants to like i don't know publish blog posts give him permission to publish blog posts but not for example to edit the templates of your page builder if you're using one so it's 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 not that complicated and you don't need plugins for that either. Like. You make a very good point there, Calvin, because I, I see a lot of times, even with even with developers that are like, okay, here's this role, but I don't want them to be able to do this stuff. So they start taking away things. They take away from admin, yeah. Right. So they start taking away things that they don't want. And there's like this thought process or just this paradigm of understanding that you start from security with nothing and then add to it. I'm definitely guilty of that, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, because, uh, well, you're a developer. And so you think about being able to do everything. And so you're in that mindset and it takes someone like Calvin, a security expert to come along and say, let's start here. Let's start from zero. But also you're kind of thinking, okay, how are they going to break my thing? And then I don't want them to break my thing this specific way, as opposed to thinking from a, like a a security first principle uh, where you're like, okay, let's, I don't actually care what they're going to break. Let's just not give them anything and then see where they, when they start screaming, and then we give them like some access. You're also making it less likely to break. So if if, if they have no permissions, they, they can't really break anything. If all they can do is edit some text fields or, or whatever. Um, but, but yeah, like to circle back, as you you ask like what can be done like at the WordPress level or at the application level. There are a lot of things, and there are actually a lot of things that can only be done at the application level. One like the, the easiest example would be anything authentication related. So anything related to two FA passwordless logins, password policies, 
all of these things can only be done at the application layer. At least I haven't seen like anybody um, coming up with a way to have like 2FA in cloud, cloud flare. <laughs> Uh, it's it's not possible because you need to be tied into the WordPress um, authentication system to do that. You need to be able to generate WordPress-specific authentication cookies. So there are, are many things that you can only do in uh, at the plugin level. The issue is that a lot of people, including the plugin authors, don't know which one these are. And so they just mix and match everything into one package, which is not like it, it, it just doesn't work beyond like a basic level. Yeah, very, very good points. Whether you're a product or a site builder, OmniSend can help you with your customer or client's email and SMS through their CRM solution for WooCommerce. Product builders can bring their plugins and SaaS to a new level for their customers by integrating with OmniSend. And for you developers and agencies recommending them to your clients for managing their customer relationships is spot on because it gives them the right tool to build their email and SMS lists, send targeted campaigns, create automation workflows, and track their results all from within their WordPress dashboard. With over 100,000 e-commerce stores already on board, have your clients and your customers get started for free by simply having them search for the OmniSend plugin on WordPress.org. Whether you're just starting to build that Woo shop for a client or looking to expand or scale an existing site, GoDaddy's e-commerce hosting solution is there for you and your projects. Expand a client store with access to thousands of extensions or scale big time with conversion tools, multiple staff accounts, an integrated POS, marketplace integrations, and discounted shipping rates plus a lot more. And if you continue to manage your site or you hand it over to the client, a single dashboard gives powerful tools such as online sales tracking an easy auto-sync for all the store's inventory across the entire site. Plus, software, plugins, and extensions will be kept up to date, and regression and other testing is done continually to avoid site breakage. With that all said, keep your client sites humming along with e-commerce hosting from GoDaddy at GoDaddy.com. Let's talk a little about about that application level because there's been a couple of well, first of all, your research about two FA, um, the seed and all of the information that makes two FA work uh, being stored in a way that's accessible and not encrypted in the database. And then there was also a recent story about was it Stripe API? Um, let's first talk about the Stripe API. Um, instance what happened there there's a huge issue in 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 not related to security but to all plugins in wordpress which is that they all store very sensitive data as plain text in your wordpress database under the assumption that hey the database is this like fort knox type of storage that that we assume can never be breached which is true on on i mean wordpress core had several 
SQL injection vulnerabilities over its lifetime, where there were actually vulnerabilities in WordPress core that could have led to the entire database being dumped, basically. Um, but plugin also have this mindset of, hey, my plugin doesn't have a vulnerability um, that allows somebody to read arbitrary data from the database. So I don't have to consider that in my threat model. So they just stuff everything into the database as plain text without considering that their plugins are not running in a sandbox. Their customers will put it on a site where they have 20 other plugins. And it's not like a matter of if, it's a matter of when there will be a point in time where a given plugin or WordPress core or a theme has a vulnerability that allows dumping the entire database and reading everything that's in there. Um, like, I mean, just go into like any database, patch deck, WordFence, whatever. There are new vulnerabilities like that popping up like almost every other day. It's, it's super common in WordPress. Um, and so, yeah, they, they, they throw everything as plain text into the database. And there was, um, I don't remember how the plugin, I think, I think the plugin was called Access Ellie. I don't remember. It's like an LMS plugin, I think, which like an agency was using. And then their, their site got hacked. It's not entirely clear how, but the attacker stole their Stripe keys. So the LMS plugin was using Stripe to provide payments and they stored the Stripe API key as plain text in the database, which if you hack a site can extract, or if you have an SQL injection vulnerability, you can extract that Stripe API key. And then they committed um, like very, very significant financial fraud with that key. So I think so Stripe and Stripe made the agency liable for that or tried to make the agency liable for that. And I think it was like 70, 70K that, that was committed of fraudulent transactions with their API key that um, they were held liable for. And there are many other, like every, every plugin basically does that. And it is a risk, but they don't consider that. It ties into what I, I mentioned at the beginning is, yes, this is not exploitable if you don't have like an SQL injection vulnerability. But as soon as that one brick, that one domino falls, you're completely unprotected. So you're giving up at the first line of defense, basically. Right. right. So are there things that, let's say we have some enterprise person who's using any one of these plugins that is storing Stripe API keys in the database plain text, what can they do to protect themselves? Um, is there any way that they can encrypt it? Or do they just have to like never sleep and watch their site incessantly? What can they do? The best way is to, to, to keep bugging the plugin authors uh, into adding encryption of their sensitive data. Some do. Some actually, after that tip happened, did. But many major plugins still don't do that, even after that happened. And it was like, it was like a huge story in WordPress. Basically, everybody was talking about this, what happened there. It was very widespread. And uh, a lot of users were very con- end users were very concerned and demanded like, change from their plugin vendors but it didn't really materialize, at least like uh, not like widespread. So yeah, the, the best way is to obviously like get your plugin also to fix that yeah, or consider alternatives because maybe that plugin vendor doesn't have that threat model that your site requires. Right. So also minimizing the number of plugins that you're using, only use plugins if you absolutely positively have to, the more plugins you add to a site, the the wider the attack surface becomes because 
there's just so many different coding standards in, with over 60,000 plugins in the repo alone, right? Um, but Fortress is a product that you've developed that has, there's some feature, if you can tell us a little bit about that, that you were offering for free that does protect from things like this? Yeah, so basically there there is a way to t- tie into this um, mechanism of how WordPress retrieves data from the database. Right now it's limited to the WordPress options table because that is where sensitive data is most commonly stored. Like just to give an example, Stripe API keys or keys to connect with Zapier or keys for SendGrid or Cloudflare, whatever that may be. Like it's all stored in the WordPress options table at, 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 uh, as plain text right now. And WordPress core is like deep down in core, there are like some low level um, hooks that you can hook into. And we leverage that to basically add like a little encryption layer um, between the database and WordPress. So everything that WordPress stores goes through a translation layer is encrypted and stored encrypted. And in the other direction, everything that WordPress retrieves is decrypted and then passed to WordPress. So you have like encryption at rest of all the data, but everything still continues to work just as expected without, and it's important thing, without requiring any code changes in third-party plugins. So you don't have to wait for the plugin authors to, to be responsive or to fix their stuff, basically. It, it's like, we have like, maybe we can link a, 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 the post where we described all the technical details of how that works. That would probably be too long to explain right now. Sure. But so so there are solutions, but this kind of feels a little bit like, you're offering it for free. It feels a little bit like a stopgap solution right now while we wait for plugin vendors to kind of up their game in terms of encryption and whatnot, right? Okay. All right. So that's available. I think this is really important because like, like we were saying at the beginning, uh, in the commerce space, in the enterprise space, security is, it's not an afterthought. It is not something where it's like, oh, well, it got hacked. Let's just restore from backup unless it's just a brochure site and it's isolated from everything else and it gets whatever. There's no customer information on that. We don't have to do breach notifications. There's no GDPR concerns, you know, brochure sites, whatever. But if you are in the enterprise, you do have customer information in a database. You do have commerce happening on your site. There are so many legal ramifications to having a security event. So something like this might seem like pretty edge case. Maybe it's never going to happen. But when you have targeted hackers like like what we've seen with what has happened with MGM and, you know, all of their systems having to be shut down, um, you know, the sophisticated social engineering attacks that are leveraging AI voice replication in order to like do stuff like we are seeing more and more sophistication in terms of the attacks that are targeting enterprise, that are targeting commerce. So talk to me a little bit about um you know, just all of the different um, hurdles that we have to consider. Like, we can't just say, "Oh, well, that'll never happen," right? Uh, can you clarify what what uh, what are you referring to with hurdles? All the things, all the things, all the Calvin. Things. All the things, Calvin. It's all the things. Like, I mean, MGM is a good example when we talk multi-threat model. 
Um, because it, for those who haven't read on it, it's basically, it's just this hacker group that's very well known for social engineering. They basically called, managed to get a customer support. Because again, they, you know, we're talking different, tra- again, we're talking enterprise here, right? You ha- you're a much more um, juicy target. For them, they're willing, to, like these groups are willing to spend some time to just develop, you know, the, what they're going to, they're not just throwing like bots at you and just like hoping something works. Like they're like, no, okay. Like we're going to do this properly. So they figure out, okay, well, what are weak points in your organization? Like as a whole, as a whole, right. And customer service, for example, is a really easy one. Um, because for things that we've discussed already, like that you could have trek models where like you you pretend to be a plugin author saying like, I could arrive to you. I pretend to be like, you know, this plugin you're using, Oh, we need to give, you need to give us admin access. We need to fix something. And then you don't know better. And then you just give it to them. But for here, they use like customer service. So customer service, you're, you're incentivized to just close tickets as fast as possible without doing due diligence. So they just basically arrived and they've, they managed to successfully fake, that they were a high level access person that they needed their account restore their password change for their account and they changed it and then they were off to the races from there uh, so like that's one example that's why it's all the things like in enterprise it's all the things and there will always be entry points which is why it's like crucial to like not have this mindset of well if they're already that far then it doesn't matter like a lot of a lot of people in WordPress have like, for example, this mindset of, oh, well, yeah, this vulnerability isn't important because it requires you to be a WordPress administrator. And it's like, sure, but I mean, it's like a, a very simple viewpoint, like a WordPress administrator should, for example, never be able to um, change the running code of the website, which is where we get into like um, immutability and having like an immutability deployment system, an immutable file system. Like if I compromise the admin account of somebody, I should not be able to elevate that compromise into compromising the entire server by uploading malware. That should not be possible. And it's like this mindset of, well, my admin account is already compromised then it doesn't really matter because they can do everything already. Yes, if, if you approach it that way, but they shouldn't be able to. And it's not that hard to to prevent them, basically. It's just a change in mindset. And I'm sure you're used to discussing that to Kat- Katie. Kathy? I'm, Kathy, I'm Kathy. always like, I'm, I'm so bad with like the THs. Uh, but um, <laughs> that's why it's in security, you talk a lot about risk management, right? It's not about like, oh, this is like flawless. Like, no, like everything has a flaw eventually and things, bad things are going to happen. It's how you manage that that risk of these bad events happening um, as well, right? Yeah. And, it, you know, a lot of, I always advise everyone to have an incident response plan because just going through the exercise of an incident response plan, you uncover all of, the, like, all of the little things that you might not think are a big deal can be chained into 
a massive event, the Target attack that happened in 2013. An HVAC vendor with an unpatched computer with malware on it hooked up to the Target network. And through that one entry point, it took 10 days, uh, very patient hackers testing all of the internal vulnerabilities, all of the admin plus vulnerabilities, so to speak, that existed within that network for Target, after 10 days, they were able to compromise 800 point of sale cash registers in for Target across the United States. So one minor little thing can escalate into a giant impact because of all of these small things that seem innocuous, right? So I always recommend that people do incident response planning because then you start you start really looking at, well, what ifs? And you start looking at where these impossible vulnerabilities can become chained together into something that could be a big problem. Now that you manage the, this uh, instance with the with an infected device, since we're talking enterprise, like for example, nobody in the agency that works on a site um, should be able to do any work from his personal computer. This is super widespread. I, I guess at the highest level, there's probably like um, mobile device management, but pretty much everybody should have a works, um, whether it be a laptop or like a, a workstation that is locked down where they can't go and uh, install whatever browser extension they want. They can't install any anything that is not essential for working or developing that site should not be installed and it should be enforced. That there are regular malware scans on local device because this is another entry point and we will probably... Maybe within the next one or two months, we will be releasing a bit of research on that. That is actually a huge, huge problem in the WordPress space where hackers are specifically um, launching phishing attacks to infect the actual local devices, which they then use to steal the WordPress authentication cookies from the browsers. And they steal all the cookies, send them off to a remote location and then sell them in the dark web. So they're not selling passwords anymore they're selling actual authentication cookies because the cookies allow you to bypass the password checks they allow you to bypass all 2fa you're just straight up that user at that point and if you don't have proper like mobile device management you just let your employees install whatever and let them work from your personal uh, laptop that is another huge uh, attack vector that's, there that's how the last pass uh, intrusion the debacle that the, the gift that keeps on giving with that last pass hack, but it happened because of a high privileged developer working, having access on a personal computer at home and some like media plugin or whatever wasn't updated. And that turned into one of probably historically one of the biggest, widest impact hacks that, that we'll see in our, our lifetime. I'm still hearing stories. So yeah, the, I, I am looking forward to, to reading that research, uh, Calvin, you, you're on it. You're just like, I, I'm so glad we're friends because I am into all this stuff, even though I kind of work in more of the empowering users space right now. Security is so fascinating. I, I love the creativity of hackers, not so much like the malicious crap, but this is creative, interesting stuff that pushes the envelope of what we think is possible. But on the enterprise side, 
y'all listening to this, you've, you've got to be aware of this and you've got to be aware of all of the different entry points and all of the different ways things get, get chained together. So I think you should be following Calvin's work. Another big one is having a really solid backup system. And that means that you don't use any, the same way with the malware scanning, don't use anything that is plugin based at all. Because conceptually, imagine this, like if I hack your site, my goal is basically to have my malware running for as long as possible. And like one of the easiest way to prevent you from restoring or deleting my malware is making sure that you can't use your backups anymore. So if you have a backup plugin or anything from within WordPress that can backup to a remote location, what is preventing the malware from either reinfecting your back so they can retrospectively, if the, for example, let's say using Dropbox and the plugin uses like, I don't know, an API key for that. And maybe the API key also has the permissions to re to remove backups. And I know many plugins that allow you from within the admin dashboard to prune backups or to delete a one of backup that you took. So there is the possibility from within the plugin to delete the remote backups. And if that is possible, what prevents an attacker from just deleting all of your backups? And then you can't even restore anymore. That is like the worst case scenario. So you, you're, the same way with the malware skin, your backups need to come from outside the system. So outside of WordPress, so that they can't be tampered with. And ideally, you should use a storage provider, a remote storage provider, where the backups are append only. I don't know if Carlos AWS, has, I, I'm sure they have something like that, but it needs to be append only. You can't, you can't delete backups. They probably have something like that. I mean, right now, like for Emir, for Emir, it's just like it, there's no the S3 is basically. The, there's no the database server itself gets backed up so like it's the it's the entire machine it's not even the database so um so there's no like even append or or whatnot like i mean you can delete them but again you need access to the aws account so it's already so it's already on the multi-thread you can't delete that from within wordpress no no, no 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 you yeah. you like i mean like I wouldn't, I wouldn't allow that anyways. It doesn't make sense. Again, it doesn't make sense if, if a lot of what we were talking about, right? Um, why we don't want to necessarily have WordPress do all the things. Like I've been in WordPress long enough that I don't want to have, there's this, obviously one of the reasons WordPress is popular is because we have it do everything and people love that because they could just install plugins and stuff like that. But it's kind of, at least for security, as as I'm, we're discussing, it's a bit of theater. It's mostly theater, actually. Um, it, you don't actually need to do that much to secure, like to be effective at securing your WordPress installation. You don't actually need a lot of these large security plugins. Like you just need to be more deliberate in the little things that you do, like. Things like what Calvin's working on, like encrypting your data at rest, uh, like using 2FA. Don't let people like I have a small security plugin and all it does is it doesn't let you reuse passwords that were in password lists. 
And basically it won't let you, if you're an administrator, it won't let you log in. It'll be like, you need to reset your password and, um, or it can do, or you can disable it and just say like, it'll do a warning, but essentially those are little things, right? Principle of least privilege. This does is not a thing that you need a plugin to do. You just need password IG. Don't need plugins for that. Um, a lot of it is just, that's why it's, it's important what Calvin is working on because He's trying to tackle the things that, okay, this has to be done at the application level. Uh, but backups is, no. Like, backups is not something I would design a plugin to do. Like, I would just be like, it's the job of the hosting provider to do it. It's the job of your, in my case, uh, the Emir platform to to do it. Like, uh, or if you're using, like, SpinUp, right? SpinUp offers backups. Like, they'll send the backups to an the only way you're going to purge those backups is if you have access to the spin-up account to go delete the backups there, right? Or you or you get the S3 key. Yeah, or the S3. Yeah, but the S3 key is in spin-up. It's not on your WordPress site, right? So, so it's already like, it's more involved, right? Like, again, the more you, it's about, fric- I think you, I don't know if you discuss it, you use that term, but like, it's like your Swiss cheese thing, right? It's about adding friction. Right. A lot of security is adding friction. You know, like if you don't want somebody to brute force your login, okay, you put limit login attempts. Like eventually they can get in if they're really patient. But like you went from, like it's the same thing with the password encryption, right? They can decrypt the passwords, but there's nothing fast enough right now to decrypt them. Like if you use Argon 2, like they, you can technically do it. It just takes, like, I don't think the URD's going to exist anymore like i like the 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 sun's gonna blow up before like you have the time to decrypt those things (laughs) you know so that's like the length of time we're talking about so it doesn't make sense for hackers to do that like you're just adding friction so that's like the security the job is always to make hackers life well malicious hackers lives a lot harder because you know what they'll eventually do is go into somebody who doesn't have bars on the window right they'll just go to the next house right (laughs) The hackers are going to hack, but you want to make in protecting your assets to make their job incredibly difficult. So it just doesn't look like a juicy target. Correct. You don't want to be the lowest hanging fruit. Like for, for, for everybody, you don't want to be the lowest hanging fruit. Like, like I said, I deal with like nonprofits where like in some, like in China, they're blocked, like and stuff like that. If you have like state actors that kind of like, or like organized crime or, or things like that, where they're like, okay, no, like we want to target you specifically, then you're at a very strong disadvantage because they're basically very patient and they will wait. Like uh, one of the best stories that I love is the Stuxnet story. Like the Stuxnet is just like, it's a great, if you can ever read on that, it's a fast, it's, it's a, it's a brilliant story, but it's, it, just shows you like they they will wait they will wait until it's like that hvac story right they will wait until they connect and then they're like okay it's go time now and then they're and then they're off and then once that's on it can go and fast or it can go slow but they're they're just like patient and it's really hard to protect against that like the best you can do is like add friction everywhere uh so that it makes their job harder 
Yeah, and that is for targeted attacks. For like non-targeted attacks, where basically a vulnerability is discovered and then somebody just fires off at every WordPress site that they can find, there you just don't want to be the lowest hanging fruit. That is that is also that's also true. Yeah, because that's what I talked in my initial talk too. Is once you're on their list, you're like they're gonna you're worse off. Like once you get hacked once, it's you're worse off because now you're like on lists that people use to like for the bots and everything, which is like horrible. Yeah. It's like being on a spammers list. You just not the list you want to be on at all. Well, you guys, this has been a really great conversation, but I know we have to wrap things up. I have another meeting and we have, we have to give Bob a little, little less stuff to edit, (laughs) but I think we should have this conversation again in the future, especially as we, you know, security, there's always going to be security events and always things that we can talk about. Calvin, where can people find you online to follow your work? So our website is snicko.io. It's S-N-I-C-C-O.io. I guess we can put it in the show notes. Yeah. And you're active on Twitter as well as in so many Facebook groups as well. Yeah, more more or less, yeah. Yeah. And Carl, where can people find you? Everywhere? Uh, I mean, I, I'm i working mostly on Emir. It's emirapp.com. I'm still on Twitter. I mean, I'm going down with the ship, basically. I'm not on any other <laughs> social media. Like I, But I'm not as active uh, tweeting. But if you tweet at me, uh, I definitely reply and whatnot. But uh, then there's carlalexander.ca. Amazing. Great. Well, thanks, guys, for joining me here for this great conversation. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Well, we'll certainly be having more talks on security here at Do The Woo, as we have in the past. And with great hearing, host Kathy and Carl bring in their insights and knowledge and expertise to add to Calvin's expertise in security. And thanks, Calvin, for sharing your time with us. Also, kudos to our sponsors, our newest sponsor, OmniSend, and, of course, GoDaddy. Their support for this builder community is the best. So make sure and check them out and take heed of today's show. Stay safe and secure. Till the next time.